Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Today, I want to start teaching on a new topic that I title The Jesus Model of Increase. The Jesus Model of Increase. And let's go to the book of Luke chapter 2 from verse 51 and 52. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Amen. So um, this scripture is talking about the life of Jesus, the early days of Jesus. When um, you study the scriptures, the gospels, you will see a lot said about Jesus in his infancy up to the age of 12. When he was 12 years, there was a very significant thing that happened. He got missing from the parents and found three days later and in the temple. And the Bible said that when he returned with the parents to, to Nazareth, he, verse 51 says, he became subject. That means he submitted himself to parental authority. He, he decided to submit himself to the authority of the parents. And many times I've heard people ask questions. So from the age of 12, the next time we heard about Jesus was he was 30 years old and he was in the River Jordan asking John the Baptist to baptize him. And people have a lot of questions. What why is it that the Bible did not say anything about Jesus when he was 15 years, when he was 20 years, when he was 25 years? What happened that time that the Bible is so silent about um, that part of his life? Um, some people even try to fabricate a lot of stories about um, th that period of his life. But the truth is, the Bible is not silent about that period of Jesus' life. It's, it's just that people couldn't see what the Bible said about it, about him. But the Bible isn't silent about the, the life of Jesus from age 12 to 30. One of the important things that happened in his life is what we are just reading today. It means that when Jesus returned with the parents from Jerusalem, when they found him in the temple, and they came to Nazareth. Nazareth was where the parents lived. When he came back with the parents, Bible said he submitted himself to the parents. That means that during Jesus' teenage years, years, he was very, very submissive and respectful. He did not live wayward. He, did, he, 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 he wasn't a truant. He wasn't notorious. And, and this is very significant for all of us to learn from because Nazareth is uh, one of the towns that was noted for notorious life activity. A lot of criminal activity goes on in Nazareth. You know, there's nothing good that is said about Nazareth. Anytime Nazareth, the name Nazareth is in the news, it's about something bad. That is why somebody had the audacity to ask the question, Could, can anything good come out from Nazareth? And yet Jesus lived there with the parents, and the Bible said he remained subject to the parents. That's a very good, important ex, uh, you know, example for all the young people. When we all get to our teenage years, something comes over us that makes us think we know better than our parents. Teenagers always want to do everything contrary to what parents say. Parents give 
you counsel and advise out of love. This thing is not good. When you do, it will destroy you. I mean, teenagers don't believe in such stuff. You know, every teenager wants to be adventurous, you know, to do the very things that a normal thinking person should not do. And the very things that they said, if you do it, it will destroy your life. You know, teenagers prefer to take advice from their other colleague peers than their parents. When, when the parents say something, they go discuss it with their peers. And um, your parent has been a teenager before. They've been through it all. They've seen the things that didn't help them, the things that was destructive, the things that uh, if the clock of time was turned backward, they wouldn't want to do it. And if you are a very smart teenager and you want to be successful, one of the things you must learn to do is honor your parents. And to honor your parents means respect them and submit yourself to their authority. That means you should come to the place of taking instructions from your parents, taking advice from your parents, because it is for your own good. It is for your own good. I believe that as parents, it is our duty to teach our children the right things. But matter of fact, any child that refuses to take the parents' advice is destroying his own life. You know, I tell my children all the time, it's your life. It's not my life. I'm living mine. I want to be successful and I want to be fulfilled in my lifetime before I die. You can choose what you want to do with it. The only thing God will hold me accountable for is if I did not teach you the right thing. But once I have taught you, it's up to you to do what I teach so it will be well with you, or you don't do what I teach, you suffer. And you can be a, a young person here under the sound of my voice. Your parents can be very blessed and you'll be cursed the rest of your life. Based on how you live your life, your parents can be successful and, and you will suffer all your life. You can never live your life to just assume that your parents' life will become the fruits that you will reap. No, you sow by yourself what you want to reap. Yeah, that is why the sad thing about life is that in most of the times, the children of great people, most of the time, they don't become great. Why? Because the very things that motivated a great man to, to tow the path, that motivation is not there. Most great people you see had a, a lot of early days of struggles, challenges, difficulties, battles, sufferings. And these things became the motivation, the push and the drive. You know, one day I was chatting with one church member and he said, he and his brothers, they used to weed people's farms when they are on holidays in secondary school. In the village, they used to weed people's farms to get money for pocket money when they are going back to school the next day when they were in secondary school. And he was telling me, I'm so glad my children don't need to go through that. And said, now I have, I've taken my children to very good schools and they are doing very well. And I was telling myself in my head, I just hope that the comfort your children are going through will not become the stumbling block. Will not become the stumbling block. Because sometimes when children are very comfortable, they become stupid. They become very, very stupid. They are not smart. They are not tough. They are not hardworking. They are not diligent. 
But this life we live is, is, is not always smooth. The path to greatness is rough. Sometimes you need to be hard. You need to be strong. You need to be tough. You know, you know life is not always fair. To expect that everything is just going to be rosy, that is why, listen, parents, you need to love your children, but you must also teach them well. You must teach them well. Don't just lavish things on them anyhow. You know, you know one day, my, one of my, my, my younger daughter, you know, has a habit of, if she's tired of a shoe, she will spoil it. <laughs> then I said, you are blessed. You're, you have a good mother. Because my mom, you spoil that shoe, you wear it like that. You will wear it like that to school. You can be crying, blood, you will wear it like that. In fact, you, it won't even cross your mind to spoil it. <laughs> it, won't, it won't cross your mind to spoil shoe. Come and show it to my mom. It won't cross your mind. Yeah, and we need to know that these are the things that have made us what we are. The discipline. The discipline. The discipline. The hard work. The discipline. And and, and if we are parents, we have to learn to, to remember the things that our parents did for us that made us what we are. And I'm not saying that make your children suffer, but you have to be real with your children. You have to be real with them. And not just leave them to do what they like, to be how they want. I mean, the average teenager today can't do anything. Can't even sweep. I started sweeping when I was in class four, and I was a boy. I wasn't a girl. When I was in class four, I started sweeping. And uh, the rule at home is, if you are not in the kitchen, if my mom is cooking, no food for you. You won't eat. One day I went to play ball, and uh, I wasn't home. I didn't come back from the ball early. I was enjoying the ball. And by the time I came, they finished cooking. They finished eating. <laughs> I sneaked to go and bath. I went to the kitchen. Everything is empty. The rest is in the fridge. And you know the consequence of touching food in the fridge when you have not been given, the way you'll be beaten. I'll never forget that day. The following day, Nobody told me not to go and play ball or to close from the ball early enough and come home because I did not eat that day. I did not eat. Jesus went down with the parents and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. And the Bible says that his mother kept everything that was said about him, all the prophecies. That means the mother knew this boy is the savior of the world and that he need to be trained. He need to receive the requisite training. You see, God can tell you all the great things about your children if you don't discipline them. If you don't discipline them so that they can develop godly character. I'm telling you, they will never become what they were born to be. They will never be. Every failure you see today, that is not God's plan for them. God never created anybody for failure. The people are failures today is because there are things they should do. They don't do it. And most of them, you can trace it to upbringing, to their upbringing, the way they were brought up. The way they were treated like life is just rosy forever. The, the way, you know, sometimes you should ask yourself, if you are not alive tomorrow, how will your children survive? How ready are they? If you are not alive today, are your children prepared for the future? Are they ready? Are they strong enough to deal with the realities in our society? So love your children enough to discipline them. 
And when I say discipline, I don't always mean um, being harsh and rude and, and, you know, maltreat children. No. But discipline is important. There are things children shouldn't do in your house whilst you look on. It's not love. If you are here as a teenager and you are a girl, you don't know how to cook, you can't even wash your panties, you can't even clean the WC in the house, your mother will still clean your, the bathroom for you to come and bath. I mean, you must be silly. You must be silly. must be silly. And how can you carry that, one, that kind of character to a marriage and not go and harass your husband? And yet you, are, you have a boyfriend. <laughs> you have a boyfriend, you don't know how to cook. Most teenagers from JHS, they have boyfriends. You know, when they should be learning the important basics of life. You have a boyfriend. You can't cook. You can't even sweep. You can't even wash your own clothes. Your parents wash your clothes for you. I mean, are you serious? You won't get far with that kind of life. I'm telling you. You won't get far with that kind of life. If... It's not a curse. It's, it's a prediction. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just predicting your life based on how you are living now. Yeah. How you are living now. That it is very horrible and, and very unfortunate for any Christian to live the early days of his life without understanding and wisdom. And sometimes these young people think that is life. Because foolishness will make you call the wrong things the right things. It's foolishness. Call it that is life. I'm a guy. You know, you have to be a guy. You, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to be a guy. You know, you can't let your parents treat you anyhow. They can't talk to you anyhow. I mean, aren't you foolish? You can't, you can't even buy anything for yourself. You can't, even, you can't even buy food by yourself to eat. And you are thinking, you know, my parents cannot talk to you like that. They cannot treat you like that. What can you do by yourself? You can't do anything by yourself. So you should sit down and realize that you are, you, are not, you are nothing. You are nowhere. You are nowhere. Your parents need to talk to you and rebuke you. Rebuke you. And you not get say, I'm angry with my, my, my mother because she rebuked me. Can you imagine? I'm angry. I won't eat. The way they talk me today, I don't like it. I won't eat. And then, and then some parents too are saying, oh, Koijo, come and eat. It's not anything. Come and eat. Why won't he be doing that? Why won't he continue to be fooling in the house? You are just breeding a fool. You know? They say you won't eat. Take the food away. Take the food out and don't even give him another in the, the following day. Uh-huh. Don't give him food the whole of the following day. Let him do fasting. And see whether next time, see whether next time, if you, if you rebuke him, whether he will behave such foolishness. Next time if you rebuke him, you will, you will be very alert. Jesus was Subject to experience. That is the beginning of wisdom. So when we study the Jesus model, it begins with submission. You see, when a child learns submission and grows up, everywhere he goes, he carries it with him. There's a saying that charity begins at home. You see, anytime you see adults who are rebellious at the workplace, they fight every authority. Huh? They carry it to society. They fight everywhere. And then they carry it to church. They fight the pastor. Fight in their departmental heads. Fight with everybody. Trace it, you can see that they were not properly cultured with discipline. And any human being who 
disregards authority will be a failure. You'll be a failure. At work, you'll fail. Your promotion will be due, but your boss won't promote you because you are disrespectful. Promotion doesn't only come to you because you qualify. Promotion comes because the person who should authorize or endorse the promotion, he must also make a decision based on how you relate with him or her. It's not just that you are qualified. And there are people everywhere they go, they will fight against authority. They hate order. They like to have their way, do things the way they like. You know? Yeah. And it starts with upbringing. I'm trying to answer the question, what was Jesus doing from age 12 to 30? The next time we heard about Jesus was going for his baptism at the age of 30. Number one, he submitted himself to his parents. The second thing that Jesus did is in verse 52, and that's where I want to teach from this month. Verse 52, he said, and Jesus increased in three areas, three major areas. Jesus increased in three major areas. He increased in what? Wisdom. He increased also in what? Stature. And he increased in favor with God and man. Actually, that makes it four areas, but we'll keep it three. Wisdom, stature, favor. And favor, the Bible was careful to differentiate it at two levels. One is favor with men, that means influence. Second is favor with God. So Jesus increased in three areas. Now, from the age of 12 to 30, Jesus increased in these three major areas. That means these three major areas must be very important to success in life. Jesus didn't increase in everything. He increased in these three major areas. It means that if Jesus will spend all his youthful years working on these three major areas, it means that it's an example for us that these three areas are very crucial. They are very critical, very important to success. And that anybody that wants to be as successful as Jesus was must pay attention to these three major areas. So today I'm looking at how to increase in wisdom. Jesus increased in wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom means the right application of knowledge. It also means applying God's principles to your everyday life. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Dr. Mike Medock defined wisdom as the ability to discern difference. Wisdom is the ability to discern difference. Difference in people, difference in places, and difference in timing or events. Wisdom is what? The right application of knowledge. Right application. That means before you can become a wise person, you must first have knowledge. 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 So there can never be a wise person unless there is first a knowledgeable person. There has to be knowledge before there can be wisdom. But this, this is also important by this definition to understand that the fact that you have knowledge does not also mean you are wise. There are people who have a lot of knowledge, but they don't know how to rightly apply it. That is why you can see people who teach certain things, but they don't do it. They teach it, they don't do it. That means they have the knowledge, but they are not wise. Yeah, there are people when you meet them, every time they want to teach. Every time they want to teach, because they think the purpose of getting knowledge is to teach it. The purpose of getting knowledge is not to teach it. The purpose of getting knowledge is to apply it. When you apply it, the success you achieve attracts people to come and learn from you. So if all your life, people don't come and say, can you teach me this? How do I know this? How do I do this? It means you are not being wise. That's why you don't learn from everybody. If somebody says, come and let me teach you driving, watch how he drives first. Come and let me give you marriage counseling. Question one, is he, is he married? If he's not married, in fact, he's not supposed to open his mouth and say anything. If he's married, how good is his marriage? Question two, come and let me teach you how to run business. Excuse me. How is the level of your business? Wisdom is not theory. 
Wisdom is not open your mouth and rattle a lot of oratory. Wisdom is lifestyle. How you live your life, the things you do, the, the effect on your life. The right application of knowledge. Number two, applying God's principles to your everyday life. There are three major kinds of wisdom. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6. There are three. Um, in my book, Success is Your Birthright, I spoke about five different kinds of wisdom. But um, the truth is that there are three major kinds of wisdom. Under these three major kinds, you can, all, you can still have different kinds of wisdom under it, but there are three major kinds of wisdom. However, we speak wisdom among those who are what? Mature. We speak wisdom among those who are mature. So wisdom is an issue of maturity. Wisdom is for mature people. Yet, not the wisdom of this age. Paul said, anytime we talk about wisdom from scripture, we are not referring to the wisdom of this world, nor the rulers of this age. So there is one kind of wisdom. Paul was referring to the wisdom of this age. Then the another kind of wisdom, he said, the wisdom of the rulers of this age, who are becoming what? Nothing. In other words, Paul says, these two kinds of wisdom, they have a limit to where they can go. It cannot take you everywhere. The wisdom of this world, the wisdom of the rulers of this world. When we talk about rulers of this world, we're talking about the demonic spirits, the demonic world, principalities and powers. So there are three kinds of wisdom. Number one, human wisdom. Number two, satanic wisdom. Number three, divine wisdom. Verse seven, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. But we speak the wisdom of God in what? A mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for what? Our glory. God ordained a particular kind of wisdom. He called it the hidden wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. And God ordained it before the ages. In other words, God's wisdom existed long before human wisdom, before satanic wisdom. Hello? Yeah, that is why the wisdom of God is always supreme. May you walk in God's wisdom. Amen. So, human wisdom. Human wisdom has to do with academic in, in, intelligence, professional intelligence. So, human wisdom... Every human being can have it, including unbelievers. Everybody who decides to exercise his thinking properly can acquire human wisdom. Academic intelligence, which is very important, very good. Professional intelligence, that means in the area of your career and discipline, there is more you need to learn. That's why if you want to be a lawyer, you can get a degree in law but we won't call you a lawyer yet. There's a professional discipline attached to it and write the law exams and pass. Yeah, same with many other professions. Even if you finish medical school, it doesn't mean you're a doctor until you pass the professional exams. Professional intelligence is very important. Academic intelligence, professional intelligence, financial intelligence. You must know how money works in our real world. Otherwise, you can never become a wealthy person. You can be rich through academic intelligence, but you can only become wealthy through financial intelligence. Then we have emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the ability to understand yourself, appreciate yourself, understand people, and relate well with people. Then we have satanic wisdom. What is satanic wisdom? It is craftiness. Some people are very smart, but for evil. They can steal you right now without you knowing. They can make you empty your bank account and saying thank you. They can make you see your good wife as a witch. They can make you see the best opportunity of your life as a, a misfortune. And satanic wisdom originates from Satan. And that is the center of witchcraft practice. Because the word witchcraft comes from the word craft 
which originate from the root, root word crafty. So when somebody is practicing witchcraft, they operate high intelligence, but the purpose is to destroy people, is to destroy, is to destroy. Satanic wisdom also includes occultic wisdom, occultism, and all practices of satanic worship, satanic spiritual activity. You know, there are demonic people who know a lot of mysteries. They know how to combine practices, rituals, enchantments, and spells to achieve specific goals. How did it come about that? It's satanic wisdom. All right, so satanic wisdom. And satanic wisdom can't take you far. I'll show you very soon. It can't take you far. Don't practice witchcraft. Practice the Holy Ghost. Practice divine wisdom. Because if you are practicing witchcraft, you are at the low level of wisdom. You are low. You are the basics. You are in nursery, in the school of life. You can't get far. Only fools you can, you can destroy. Only fools. And one of the ways to protect yourself against witchcraft is to walk in divine wisdom. Walk in what? Divine, divine wisdom. Not human wisdom or satanic wisdom. What is divine wisdom? Divine wisdom is spiritual intelligence. So the Bible says it's a mystery. It's a mystery. It means divine wisdom cannot be practiced by people who are unbelievers. Divine wisdom is only available to people who are born again, who are children of God, who have the Holy Spirit. Because it's a mystery. Everybody say mystery. Now what is the meaning of the word mystery? Mystery means hidden secrets. Hidden secrets. Divine wisdom is a mystery. That's why worldly people call it foolish. Worldly people look at the wisdom of God, they call it foolish. Because it doesn't make sense to the worldly person. 1 Corinthians 3.19 Worldly people do not understand divine wisdom. It's foolishness to them. 1 Corinthians 3.19 We speak the wisdom of God. He said, for the wisdom of this world is what? Foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. In their own craftiness. The wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. This scripture also tells you that the wisdom of God is foolishness to the unbeliever. That is why you don't get approval from an unbeliever about your relationship with God. Everything you do, they laugh at it. They mock at you. Even when you go to church, they are laughing. There are people, as I'm talking right now, who are in a drinking bar. It's Sunday. They take beer and Guinness and wine and alcohol and eat kebab and other things. And when they see you coming back from church, they start laughing. Also, pray for us. So. Did you pay tight? And they are laughing. The, everything you do, when you are praying, they are laughing. When you say you are giving to God, they are laughing. Tight, they are laughing. When you speak in tongues, they say, ah, are you mad? Because it is a mystery. It's a mystery. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might what? Know the things that have been freely given to us by God. A lot has been freely given to us. By God, but it takes the spirit from God, the Holy Spirit. Worldly people can't tell you what your inheritance is. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in the words of what? Man's wisdom teaches. That means human wisdom. He said, the things we are speaking is not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Which what? The whole, so if you want divine wisdom, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll pray to the Father and he will give you the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit teaches. How does he teach it? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual people. The key to divine wisdom is that you have to be a spiritual Christian. Verse 14. But the natural man does not or cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? He said they are foolishness to him. Don't speaking. Foolish. Prayer and fasting. Foolish. Going to church every week. All foolishness. Giving to God. Foolish. 
But he'll go and he'll go and give to his girlfriend and call it wisdom. He will take money and go and rent a house for his girlfriend and abandon his wife and children. He call it wisdom and try to convert you to do the same. The one you give to God as your tithe, he will try to convert you, go and rent a house for your girlfriend. Stupidity. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he ever know them because they are spiritually designed. Spiritually designed. Divine wisdom is spiritual discernment. Spiritual intelligence. You have to be spiritually intelligent to walk in divine wisdom. To walk in divine wisdom. I want to show you that how the different kinds of wisdom play. Genesis 41 from verse 8 to 16. And I will read verse 38. Let's be quick. Now it came to pass in the morning that the spirit, his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians. That means people who had satanic wisdom. All the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dream. But they were, there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. That's the limit to which human wisdom, satanic wisdom can go. You know, in those days, every king has wise people in, his, in their palace. They have wise people who are humanly intelligent, who are philosophers, who can think. Like in David had Ahithophel. But David also had a prophet called Nathan. So David was not just doing human wisdom. Sometimes he said, let's go into the spirits. Let's see into the spirits. The outcome of the battle before we go. Because there are things doctors can't see. I'm telling you, no, there are things scanning machines can't see. Scanning machines can't see demons. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Sometimes the best of doctors, they will tell you, go and pray. Because this thing, we don't know. A friend of mine was sick four years ago. Almost died. Every week, different diagnosis. One day, their specialist, they called him because they said, I think you should go and pray. I know a pastor. Because every week, the way the diagnosis keeps changing, we, we, we don't understand what is going on. Now, we don't even know what medication to prescribe. But every week, they have to change prescription. And the guy was dying. He was dying. So we have to switch from specialist prescription into fasting and prayer, speaking in tongues, all-night prayer, dry fasting, coming against principality and power. That is where the wisdom of God operates. Verse 38. This king had a dream. When he woke up, he was troubled. He knew this dream carries a meaning. Bible says he called magis, magicians. He called all his wise men. He called all the people who can be able to divine. Verse 38. But they couldn't find a meaning. But there was a guy in the prison. He didn't have human, only human wisdom. He didn't even have satanic wisdom. He had divine wisdom. His name was called Joseph. May you walk in divine wisdom this year. In the name of Jesus. May you walk in divine wisdom this year. In the name of Jesus. Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom is the spirit of God? That is when Joseph finished interpreting the dream. This is what Pharaoh stood up and started shouting. Is God, are there such people in my kingdom and I did not know? Are there human beings like this? Is this a human being or is a spirit? Even Pharaoh could tell. This man is operating by another spirit. He's different from my magicians. He's different from my diviners. He's different from my astrologers. He might be the spirit of God. 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, this way I like, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise like you. The king acknowledged that only God, only God, no, no school can train somebody's brain to be smart like this. Thank God for education. Yeah, but when you have the education and you have the wisdom of God, you are superior. At the workplace, they will respect you. Because they see that, yes, when it matters most, you can switch realms. May you walk in the wisdom of God. And may you prevail by the wisdom of God. And may you excel by the wisdom of God. In the name of Jesus, there is no one as designing and wise like you. Verse 40. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph was promoted above all the magicians. He was promoted above all the 
astrologers and the diviners. He was promoted above everybody. Why? Because he was operating in divine wisdom. Let's close with um, Daniel chapter 5 from verse 6. Daniel chapter 5. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. Now, if the king of the whole empire is so frightened that his, his knees was shaking like he was dancing uh, palogo or something, or he was dancing, uh, these days I don't know the name of the dances. Something was happening in the palace that the king with all his military might, with all his power and authority, he, he couldn't handle it. But let's see what he did. Let's see what he did. What normally should be done? The king cried aloud to bring in what? The astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. The Chaldeans were the people in the east that had very great intelligence. Before the Greek philosophy came, the Chaldeans were people noted for wisdom intelligence. The king spoke saying to what? The wise men of Babylon. Whoever reads this writing and tells me his interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and he shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. So wisdom, when you trade in wisdom, you can never be poor. Look at the reward for the consultancy that the king needed. That's why even in academics, the more educated you are, the more money you are paid. It's the same in real life. The more knowledgeable you get, the better the streams of income that comes to you. That's why ignorance is poverty. Oh yeah, ignorance is poverty. Ignorance is poverty. The devil will allow you to do everything else except study, except learn. The one who interpret this, look at the reward, verse, verse eight. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the interpreter. Despite all the reward, the king didn't get anybody because human wisdom, satanic wisdom have their limits. That's why when you follow people, you end where they end. When you follow God, you never have any end in life. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you to think, look, Christianity and worshiping, serving God is foolishness and stupidity. Don't let anybody, it's a matter of time before we see who is the real fool. It's a matter of time. It is a matter of time. Verse, verse 9. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed and his laws were astonished. Verse 10. The queen, because of the words of the king and his laws, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of what? The Holy God. Somebody say, I have the Holy Ghost. You are, you are not supposed to be unintelligent when you have the Holy Spirit. But that's all people like Joseph and Daniel, they had. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, chardians, and soothsayers. The queen was telling Belshazzar, when your father was alive, this guy was the boss in the school of wisdom. When you bring around magicians, astrologers, soothsayers, chardians, Daniel was the boss. In other words, when you operate by the wisdom of God, you are always superior. You walk in, you are superior. Verse 12. In as much as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting of dreams, solving of riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel. That means that... When you have issues like one plus one, you know, you take it to the small boys. Things like algebra, take it to the small boys. But complicated things, complicated issues of national and global proportion, there are people who can think it through. There are people who can think it through. There are people who can, great thinkers. May the Lord give you wisdom today. Amen. In the name of Jesus. 
Now let Daniel be called and he will give you the interpretation. You know, the queen said to Belshazzar, if you get this guy here today, your problem is solved. If you get this guy here, you get the interpretation. He didn't bargain about it. He didn't guess it. He didn't say, well, let's bring him and see whether he can try. He said, look, this guy, I know him. There is no issue brought before him that did not find solution. From today, this year, we're going to walk in divine wisdom. Amen. And we'll not be confused anymore. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The most complicated issues of our lives, we'll find a way around it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. How to prosper your business. How to better your life, your, your life, how to prevail over the works of the enemy, how to make witches small. Yeah, yeah how to make, you know, play with witches like Eludu. Yeah. May God give you that wisdom. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, yeah. can't wake up and we be running away from witches every day. When you have the wisdom of God, you understand that witchcraft is way below you. Yeah. Witch, witches cannot be, how can you wake up and blame a witch for your problem, that it is because of a witch, that's why I'm suffering. It is because you have refused to walk in divine wisdom. A witch can never be your problem. I'm telling you. How to survive acrimony in the workplace. How to survive treachery. Treacherous people, devilish people. People want to undo you and take your place at the workplace. They, they, they are, you know, conspiring all manner of schemes. But when you walk in the wisdom of God, you see, you just turn their everything to foolishness. When, when you open your mouth at the office and you say, Rakabahashanda, Ikoba, Listeparites, <laughs> everything is confusion will enter the camp of your enemies. Yeah. Hallelujah! Amen. Let Daniel be called. Very soon they will begin to call for you. In the name of Jesus. I said they will call for you in high places. They will look for you in high places because the wisdom of God will be at work in your life. In the name of Jesus. Listen, there's always a vacancy at the top. But it's only available for wise and intelligent people. You know, amen. Yeah, the top is not a place for foolish people. It is not a place for people who are who are petty thinkers. They are people great thinkers. And I see you this year walking in the wisdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Let's finish our verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, who my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard that you have the spirit of God is, is in you and that light and understanding, excellence, wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men... The astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretation and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. You will not be poor this year. <laughs> Money is looking for people. May it find you. One of the ways money will find you is wisdom. Walking in the wisdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said to the king, Let the, your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God, give Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. Whomever he wished, he put down. That's wise men are now talking. They're giving a preamble. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and yet and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men, his, his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet and with dew of heaven, till they knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdoms of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Beshada, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all things. And you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of this house before you, and 
your lords, your wives, and concubines have drunk in wine from them and have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, we do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, ufarsi. Praise the Lord. Only the Holy Ghost can make you read such things. <laughs> it sounds like somebody, tongue, somebody speaking tongues. Next verse. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found one thing. <laughs> Daniel began to download the meaning of each word. You have been weighed. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Besh Jaza gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. <laughs> this year, you're going to walk in divine wisdom. Yeah. Listen, everybody who is born again has the wisdom of God. Can I say that again? Everyone who is born again has the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the wisdom of God. But you can have the wisdom of God and still be living your life by the wisdom of the world. You can have the wisdom of God and be living your life according to the wisdom of the world. But this year, I want you to know that God wants you to operate in the wisdom of God. God wanted to operate divine wisdom. God wanted to live your life in operations of the divine wisdom of God. Because worldly wisdom has a limit. Satanic wisdom cannot take you far. But divine wisdom puts you at the top. Lift up your two hands and pray to God that He'll give you the grace to walk in divine wisdom. In the name of Jesus, to walk in divine wisdom. It may look foolish to the world. It may look foolish to the world. It may not make sense to the world. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every attack of Satan against our intelligence, against our wisdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, today that this year give us the grace to walk in divine wisdom. To walk in divine wisdom. Give us the grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.